If you look hard enough past the flashing lights and billboard signs, past the busy streets and suburban houses, you might find a little truth hidden inside a great song. To the bedroom music makers and garage wall shakers, to the cafe singers and travelling bands, to the street buskers and vinyl crate diggers, to big city dreams and small town life. This is Between the Houses. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 5 of Between the Houses. My name's Sam, I'm here with Dave. We play in a band called The Paper Kites together and uh, welcome to our podcast. This is our first one back for this year, uh, but we're in March. It's the 2nd of March now. You're three months into the year already. Dave, how are you? I've been good. I can't believe it's been three months. It's been a while since our last uh, podcast actually, but we just got back from a weekend down the coast, which was really nice. And uh, I went surfing. <laughs> That's funny because we actually talk about you surfing in this episode and the fact that I've never seen you surf, even though <laughs> you, you say that you you have surfed. Yeah, I, I, I think I keep it quiet because I'm terrible at surfing. I do own a board and I, I get out when I can, even if I can't catch many waves. It's just good to be out in the ocean, man. Yeah, we, we got out today. Um, we went up the Dandenong Ranges, nice. uh, which is sort of a, a mountain in, in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. They have really lovely rainforests up there, surprisingly. You wouldn't think rainforest when you think about Melbourne, but... Uh, yeah, it's beautiful up there, and we took the family and, and did a little hike, a little walk. Yeah, it was great, and then we went to a, a tea house. I'm a big tea guy in a band of absolute coffee fanatics, so I, I stand alone there. <laughs> hey, I, I like tea. I like tea as well. Was that up in Sassafras? Yes, yeah. There's a nice little sort of English-inspired tea house there. Nice. Had a, had a lovely time. And we've been getting together a bit as well and practicing with the band. Um, we've got a, a rehearsal space out at a friend's Brussels sprout farm, which has been amazing, actually. It's in a, in a really beautiful spot. And, uh, yeah, it's been nice getting together and playing music. Yeah, it has been. It's been a while since all five of us have been together making music. It is actually a very exciting month for us, March, because our new album, Roses, comes out in two weeks. It does. It does. March 12th, it's out. And... Um, it's been a long time coming. Like, I think we we finished this record, um, I think maybe like April or May last year. And we've kind of been holding on to it since then. And for anyone that hasn't listened to this before, uh, what we've been doing in these episodes is actually talking to all the artists, the, the women that we've collaborated with on these songs, uh, on this album that's going to be finally out in two weeks. Um, so we're really looking forward to putting it out and finally... Um, yeah, letting people hear what we've been working on for the last little while. We're still going to keep going with these conversations even after the record's out um, because we've been really enjoying talking to these artists and, and we think it's important to sort of shed light on, on their stories and their contributions to the music world and, and we've been really enjoying doing it so far. It's good to be back. Flowers underneath
So today we're speaking with Maro. She's an amazing singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist from Lisbon, Portugal. Uh, she actually graduated from Berkeley in 2017 after applying on a whim and getting accepted on a scholarship. After that, she moved from Boston to LA, where she released five self-written and self-produced albums, all in the span of one year, which is crazy to us because it took us eight years to release five <laughs> albums. It was during this time she met Jacob Collier, who she later toured with worldwide as part of his band, which funnily is how we met her. Um, and we'll talk about that later. But she signed to Quincy Jones's management label and has been working on new music for her next album, which we're really excited about. She's recently been collaborating with artists on a Instagram series called It's a Me Model. <laughs> how was that? That was really good. <laughs> She's uh, been working with artists like Lennon Stella, Eric Clapton, Fink, Madison Cunningham, and some amazing French and Brazilian and Portuguese jazz and folk artists as well. Yeah, uh, there's been a lot of artists that I hadn't even heard of before that she's uh, really turned us on to. And it was so good to talk to her. I mean, there's probably a, a little too much gushing from us about how much we love her voice <laughs> yes. in this episode there is. upon reflection. But I mean, she does have an incredible voice and uh, we're really honoured to work with her on that song. Uh, and also to chat to her, it was just really nice to sort of have a conversation about her life and, and to hear a bit more about it. And yeah, I mean, we do talk a little bit about uh, Jacob Collier, who, whose band she played in and, and toured around the world. And that's sort of the first time that we saw her. And uh, he's an amazing multi-Grammy award winning artist. And it speaks a lot about uh, the talent that, that Mara has, the fact that she was playing in his band and is sort of on that same musical level. Um, yeah, she's she's a very, very talented artist and it was a real pleasure to talk with her today. Here's our chat with Maro. Like right now in Portugal, it's cold and also we're in lockdown again. So if you... Yeah. No, you can't, you can't go surfing because if you get caught, it's going to be annoying. <laughs> and with the traveling, I started surfing in 2018 and then and then 2019 was the Jacob tour. And so the, it was impossible to surf that year. So Crowd it's, surf. <laughs> yeah, it's like if you're learning and then you stop and then when you go back, it's like you don't forget it. But it, it's like speaking in French for me. It's like in 2015, I got really fluent and then I didn't speak for four years. And now I'm trying to remember how to speak again. Yeah. <laughs> but your, I think your body forgets, especially something like surfing you you paddle out on you know three four waves and then you're just done <laughs> <laughs> yeah do you guys surf there's a common misconception with australians that everyone surfs in australia it's just not true in <laughs> fact i don't think any of us in the band surf and i just i came to a realization last weekend my family went down to the beach and i've just I've just made my peace with the fact that i'm not a beach guy i, <laughs> I get so bored sitting on the beach and I don't want to sit in the sun all day and I get sunburned and it's really uncomfortable. But when I was a kid, I, I really thought I would be a great surfer. And I didn't have a surfboard. I had like a boogie board or a bodyboard. I don't know what they call it over there. Bodyboard here in Portugal is like bodyboard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was a bodyboarder. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and I, I went out in a really rough surf and I got like um, dumped by this wave and it ripped my my bodyboard <laughs> off my foot and uh i got caught in a rip a really bad rip i was maybe 12 Oof. and it pulled me right out and it was so rough and I, I just wasn't a like a super strong swimmer in in surf like that 
And I was like very close to drowning and, and there was just no one there. It wasn't a patrolled beach. It was really scary. Oof. And I thought like, this is it. I'm done. And uh, two surfers actually managed to get out and, and pull me back in. And um, after that, I don't know, like it's, it's not that I am scared of the water. I quite like the water, but I think I have a very healthy respect for the fact that it's quite dangerous. And I yeah, just, I, I've yeah. never wanted to do it again. That makes sense. I think I'm probably the only person in the band who surfs. I've never seen you surf. Well, it's probably because I don't like going to the beach. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My surfing career has pretty much started and finished, you know, within a few years. I'm already in my surfing retirement, I like to say, <laughs> because as when I started, I started on a longboard surfing, you know, small breaks, almost bay breaks, like just really easy waves. And they're the kind of boards and the kind of waves that old guys surf. You know, like they're the guys that strap on the hats and have the wetsuits and they go out in the afternoon and push all the grommets out of the way. So I started doing that and I think I'll probably just only ever do that for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's easy. I don't I don't want to get smashed by any waves. So I'm not um not paddling out in, in any big breaks. Not like you, Marl. <laughs> no, but I'm definitely not paddling in big breaks yet. And I also might never it's it's the same as Sam was saying. It's like there's definitely a respect for it too so <laughs> i'm definitely not trying to become the next kelly slater or something <laughs> i'm okay with just playing guitar yeah yeah that's right yeah did you see that clip of uh i think was it mick fanning who like punched that shark in the face mm-hmm. i mean i say the face i don't really know where the face is on a shark <laughs> <laughs> i feel like australians are getting a bad rap because there was that other video going punching around. animals yeah yeah that guy punching the kangaroo who had his dog in a headlock did you see that oh yeah i think the whole world saw that <laughs> yeah <laughs> But that kangaroo that stood up looked bigger than any gym guy I've seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're scary. Yeah, those, those male kangaroos out like Central Australia, they're they're yeah, really scary, huge. and they just they, the way they look at you is like a drunk bloke in a pub who's gonna punch you. Oh God! My my nana got kicked over by a kangaroo. It did the whole like. <laughs> jumped back on its tail and kicked her right over. What was she doing standing so was- close? <laughs> we have a place uh, in Victoria called Hillsville Sanctuary where you can go and, like, feed the animals. It used to be free roaming, so you could just go in there with a bag of food. And I think that they've stopped doing it probably because of my nan. <laughs> but you used to be able to give them handfuls of food and they would eat it out of your hand. But I don't know what went wrong. She just panicked and, and this kangaroo just kicked her and knocked her over. Wow. It was very exciting. Brutal. Yeah, she was okay. Okay, I was going to ask that if she got hurt or something. No, no, she just got up and punched it in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Lee kick. <laughs> but is it, a, is it a thing where you actually see kangaroos everywhere also no right it's like everywhere a- yeah yeah like if, if you're driving if you're on tour you're driving mm. anywhere in the evening outside of the city you're guaranteed we'll see kangaroos oh wow but you have to be really careful there because they're they're very dangerous because they'll jump right in front of your car particularly when the sun's setting or the sun is rising in the morning they'll they'll just jump right in front of your car and there's been many many car accidents because of them and they do a lot of damage as well yeah we've done a lot of Back in the early days, doing a lot of overnight drives with the band and when we were on tour with, you know, like a van and, and a trailer on the back, we've hit so many kangaroos. You you hit them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Not on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> the way we used to drive overnight in the van is you'd have two people on duty in the front. So, if someone's driving, especially if it's overnight, someone's driving and then you have 
someone in the passenger seat who has to stay awake and keep the conversation going and that mm. their job is also to look out for kangaroos wow and to uh choose the music <laughs> so you have three jobs conversation playing the music yeah. and looking out for kangaroos <laughs> wow that's amazing i wish i could see some kangaroos just like walking the streets have you been to australia well we we played in in 2019 with jacob but it was i think we did melbourne sydney and Brisbane but uh I, I saw a bit like yeah. in Melbourne I walked a lot I woke up super early and went walking around because I would always do that but it's still never enough like I, I love when I go somewhere I love to actually like get to know the city so wake up super early and walk everywhere and go to restaurants that are not the tourist spots and all these things but yeah on tours it's kind of hard I always got to get a sense of the place of like the city which is cool because now I know like oh, I for sure want to go back there or yeah. i I'm like, oh, that was okay, but I didn't love it. But I know that Australia is like, I mean, since I was a kid, it's kind of one of my, like, oh, I really, really want to go there. Yeah, yeah. So, were you born in Lisbon? I was born in Lisbon, yes. Right. Um, in 94. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was here until I was 20, I think. And then at 20, I went to Berkeley in Boston. Right, right. Okay. So, did your parents have much of an influence on sort of turning you down the music path yeah so my mom actually is a music teacher all right and she teaches ear training and you know, just a bunch of different classes at the like main music university in lisbon and she did the whole classical thing and then when we were born she kind of like when we were kids her rule was like okay f4 you go to the music school and then you have to do the what we call like the fifth degree which is basically that like ninth grade and then you can quit but you have to do those which which is like a lot of it is like 10 years of our yeah. life but honestly it was it was amazing because I didn't like studying music at all. I didn't like the school. I didn't, I, I mean, I, the school was amazing. Not, not in that sense. I liked playing soccer and tennis and running around. And I was like this kind of tomboyish sports kid. And so at the time it was super hard to study. And then later I, I was like, wait, actually I cannot live without it. It's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> so really like I, my mom is the reason why we studied music and she still mm -hmm. does it for a living. Uh, she's an amazing teacher and loves it. It's we really have that like strong influence from her. But then, my dad's a biology teacher. He's also like super passionate about music, and he was the one showing me all the like music from Bulgaria and and Madagascar and Reunion, and then Johnny Mitchell or the Beatles or you know all these like like all the Brazilian stuff. It was it was always my dad that really like put it in the car and showed it to me, and like I would just like completely fall in love with all these things so i was i was always so into everything that my my dad would show me mm -hmm. which is super cool you know because it's the ear i have and the piano and guitar all the like formation side of music came from my mom but then all the taste besides classical it really came from my yeah well my mom also obviously showed me like tracy chapman and all these things mm -hmm. but it's like my dad was always stuff that is like indian music and all, all these things that really you know, a lot of band names that when I was a kid, I couldn't even like memorize. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was just like a... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it was such a cool combination because it, it really made me discover my sound and what I love and what really like moves me. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've always had this thing where I certain music that I listen to and I discovered that I, I just can't sleep from excitement. And that would come a lot from stuff that my dad would show me too. So it was amazing to have that sort of upbringing. Mm -hmm. When you first started piano at, at four like sort of classical piano did you resent the fact that 
your mum was kind of making you study music? Like it wasn't something that you fell into naturally. It was kind of like she said, you have to do this for this long. Was it kind of like non-negotiable? Well, when we were kids, we didn't even know for how long it was. It was more like when we were, I don't know, 10, 11, that she was like, well, the deal is you do until ninth grade and then you can choose to quit. Which makes sense because it's, I mean, I'm going to do the same for my kids. I don't don't care if they don't want to do it. Really? Yeah, because... It's so good for memory and for like so many other aspects in your life that you don't even understand. Like I, I really do think that it should be like mandatory for every kid to to have some sort of like musical training on their kids. Mm. They don't need to study hours a day. To, they don't need, but they should. I really believe that it should be mandatory. Like I've seen my mom has all these like programs also for kids and stuff, and she she's amazing and what she does. And I've seen the difference it makes even for like autistic kids mm. or like kids that have like they can't focus in school, and then suddenly music actually makes that so much better or a lot of things like exactly for memory it's insane because you suddenly train a part of your brain that I, f- I feel like is not as touched on stuff that is not mm. music I don't know I, I really do think music. and when we were kids we didn't really understand my mom was forcing us because we were four and we started going to piano and it's you know you're learning piano you don't yeah. even think about if someone forced you or not you're just kind of like learning yeah. and then obviously as you grow up like all kids like start discovering what they like or don't like but we sang when we were kids because my mom would always sing to us when we were mm-hmm. about to sleep and it was just always part of our house and and it it was the best thing my mom could have done really like i i wouldn't change it for the world i would honestly the only thing i would change is that i would go back and really enjoy it yeah. more because i was also like pretty good at it and at the time i didn't really see it so i was that kid that didn't want to study i didn't really care and then like the weekend before the exam i would study and have like an hour of program and this like even later when i was 16 17 and my teacher would go crazy and my mom would go crazy and my mom would come to me like do you understand the amount of hours someone normal has to put to do what you just did in one hour and i was so like i just wanted to get that done that i didn't even see that and yeah. now if i could go back i, I would actually change that I'd be like oh i i, I should enjoy it more but it's just the way it is. Though. Yeah. I was going to say, like, you've obviously always had a really good ear because I, I often wonder with my kids, and I'm sure, Dave, you think about it with your kids, like, I want them to love music and I want them to be interested in music. And I am not sure whether I should force them into learning an instrument or just let them naturally discover it. Well, when a kid sees their parents, like, really passionate about something, I, I really do believe that, like, naturally the kid is going to have some sort, even if, like, it's not something that they particularly like and they don't want to do anything related to that for the rest of their lives. But there's always some sort of, like, admiration for whatever the parents really were passionate about. Mm, yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have um, an older sister. She's 20. She's going to be 29, I think. And a younger brother that just turned 23. All right. Middle child. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the middle child. Yeah. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's good to be the middle child, actually, because it's like when we were younger, my sister got all the like attention of, you know, you have to be a good student, blah, blah, blah. And then I kind of started getting kicked out of every class and my parents <laughs> didn't really know that's happening. <laughs> and then my brother's like completely like loose, but then he's the only like guy and he's the youngest one so he's like my my sister and i make fun of my mom that she has like a an altar in her room of my brother like a, <laughs> yeah. where she goes and prays yeah. Yeah. like a shrine Shri- exactly a shrine <laughs> no but it's it's good to be the middle child honestly it's like a little less expectations <laughs> i think my family is we have the exact same setup as you I, yeah i'm the youngest boy and the favorite oh so you're you're the favorite (laughs) and i have two older sisters my eldest sister being 
you know, carrying the, the good behavior torch her whole life. My sister, the middle child, being the first to rebel and then <laughs> me just do what I, did whatever I want and just got away with yeah, it. Yeah, that's exactly the case. I feel like I'm sure there's like a rules book because it just it's always kind of the same. Like it, it makes so much sense. Yeah. If parents are like, no, I'm not going to be like that with kids. And then suddenly they have three kids. It's like, well, there it is. Yeah. And you're very close with your grandparents. Yeah, super, super. Like my grandma is my best friend, honestly. Mm -hmm. Also Portugal, like the Portuguese culture itself, it's already very, very family oriented. So it's not like it's rare that I'm super close to my grandma. It's like I mean, obviously, I have an insane like family connection. It's great, but most Portuguese people that you'll meet, they're gonna tell you the same. Their grandparents and their parents and their siblings. Like, everyone's kind of like super together, which is great. That's so cool. I had an abuelita who I was really good friends with who passed away some years ago oh. and um, my mother is Spanish. Oh, I didn't know that. Do you speak Spanish? Yes. Spanish is is honestly very, very similar to Portuguese. So you can and then speak Portuguese, Spanish, English, French. I feel like everyone in Europe knows at least two languages. It's so impressive. I mean, just the fact that we don't speak English as a first language is great because English is a, is the universal language, so it's I need to know English at least. So that you're always going to have English and some other language, which is great. Mm. Awesome. It's like once you know two languages, then knowing a third and a fourth becomes way easier as well. Yeah. For Australians, our English is already so lazy. So to make sharp sounds or, or roll our tongue or do anything that is vocal acrobatics for us is really, really <laughs> difficult. Yeah, I saw how Sam said board. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I thought it was really good. It takes so much practice. It takes so much practice. I, I remember... Being in, uh, my wife and I were in South America for three months. Oh, wow. And even when we spoke English to people, no one could understand my wife who only speaks English and, you know, has spent most of her life in Australia, but maybe being half Spanish and knowing a bit more of a language and also knowing how Spanish speaking people would speak English, interpret English, like the way they sort of can understand English from speaking to my, my grandparents. They could understand me when I speak English, but they couldn't understand anything my wife said. <laughs> oh man, she felt so bad. I feel like you do that though. Like I remember being in Italy and you would ask, you know, if you are speaking English to an Italian, somehow you put on an Italian accent, like... Do you know where the uh, library is? <laughs> Why am I doing that? <laughs> but you just do it. Yeah. It, it's like an international yes. accent. Yes. I think that's what you have, Mara. Yeah, my accent is honestly quite funny because if I'm, you know, a lot of people ask me if, how is it to sing in English? And if I'm, if like, how do I practice my accent? And how do, and, and it's kind of like, I, I don't really practice it. And I know that sometimes it, it's going to sound a bit weird. Maybe if I'm singing in English and my accent is super rough at the moment. Moment, but it's also like ah, that's that's just what it is mm. i it's that okay it's cool to have a universal language but at the same time i feel like it's super bad that us from portugal or or any anywhere that it's not our first language that we have to feel like we have to succumb to yeah. you know yeah. to english when it's like well no it's obviously it'd be super fire to learn the language and be fluent because we get to communicate and everything and people can understand us yeah. even when we sing and in, in songs and everything but at the same time it's like the fact that you have an Asian accent or an Italian accent or a French accent while you speak English, I, I, I find that super cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, I like way more to meet a French guy that speaks uh, like this uh, and uh, I don't know, uh, than, than to suddenly have, like, a super American accent from a yeah. French guy. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, my accent gets super dirty and that's fine. Well, like what, I mean, what is a good English accent? What, if you're from England? Oh, yeah, that, that one is amazing. We'd be exactly the same. Like, people would listen to us. And other places in Australia as well, 
you know, in the outback, the way people talk out there, even I can't understand what they're saying. They're speaking English, but it's so, it's just Australian, mate. You just can't understand what they're talking yeah, about. Very loose. Very loose. Yeah. So, the last time we spoke, you were living in Brazil, I think, and you were trying to get back home to Portugal. Uh, was that because the COVID cases were starting to get pretty bad over there? Or? Well, it was because of COVID in the sense of, it's like, well, if it's going to last and I'm going to have more months like lockdown, I also want to spend them with my like Portuguese family, like right. my actual family. <laughs> yeah. And uh, spend time with my grandma and all and my, my parents and stuff that usually I can't do because mm. I'm always kind of like far away from Portugal. But suddenly I was like, well, okay, it's super cool. I spent five months in Brazil and I'm going to spend other five or six if this keeps going uh, in Portugal with my family. And that that's really why I came because I, I was full on protected there. We're in, you know, this mm. farm that also had a has a studio. So wow. it's super cool because I could go play piano at 7 a.m. or at 3 a.m. and it really didn't matter because no one would listen. And I, I could have stayed there for the next 10 years, really. Like time there passes differently mm. and, it's, and it's insane and it's so 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 beautiful that it, but you know i i came i came to, to also be here for a bit yeah that's the hard part of traveling and because and, it's i've found home in already like a handful of different places mm. and it's it that's the hard part because it's like when i'm here and obviously i love being here because this this is my home really this is where i i grew up and spent the first 20 years of my life and and with family every day but when I'm here, suddenly I'm like missing Brazil or even LA because there I like work more and I'm with my friends mm -hmm. that I work with and all these things or, you know, different places. And then, but then if I'm in Brazil, I'm like, oh, I really miss my family. I want to see them. Blah, blah, blah. And, and it's kind of, I always, always enjoy where I am, which is great. I don't like just live thinking of where I'm, I'm not, but it's tricky in that sense. Mm. For someone who has traveled so much in the last three years, especially, what's lockdown been like for you back home in Lisbon? Well, I think it has a bit of both sides where it's, I love traveling. So it wasn't just a thing I was doing for work or anything. It's like, I mean, even, even when it wasn't for work, I would just go and travel. And ever since I was a kid, I loved it. So it, I've been missing it a lot in, in that sense of, you know, even the amount of stuff that got canceled, I was going to Nashville for a project and I was going to be in LA and then I was going to go for like a little tour in Japan and all these things. It's like stuff I really wanted to do. Mm. But then at the same time, exactly because I'm also always traveling it makes me suddenly be like wow i actually i've been having a year where i can you know start drawing again and and yeah. reading I've, i like stopped reading when i went to berkeley because i just didn't have time and i used to love reading and reading a lot when i was younger and suddenly i'm like starting to read which is insane because it feels so weird to just sit down and look at a book and just spend like two hours looking at a book it's like wow i, I just could not do that yeah. I, I like i started reading in jacob's tour on the planes because yeah. i was like oh wait i can actually start reading this now i like just stuff like this that suddenly i can just hang with my grandma or have lunch with my parents or you know I, all these things that i usually can't do like i can facetime them but that's mm. usually the most i can do when i'm far you know and so i've been super lucky because for me it has been good in a lot of ways mm. to not be able to travel yeah yeah i wanted to go back and talk about the very first time that we saw you maro and i i don't know if i've told you this story i think i might have but we were on tour in 2019 so it was the same time that you were on tour with jacob collier and we were in Munich. I don't remember the name of the venue. It was very cold, I remember, and it was it was snowing. And we had just finished sound checking for the show. And it was one of those venues that had sort of multiple rooms. So we were playing in one of the rooms and there was a, a bigger room. And 
we didn't know who Jacob Collier was at the time, but a girl that was playing in our band, Hannah, who was filling in for Christina, she said, oh, Jacob Collier is playing tonight as well. So we kind of like heard you guys sound checking and uh, it was amazing. I'd, I'd never heard anything like it. And then a few months later, I think you'd covered one of our songs and tagged us in it. And, and I saw that you'd played with Jacob and I thought, that's the girl. That's the girl that we saw that night. Oh, no. and she seems to like our music. I think we might have said something to you, like really lovely cover. And then you hit us up and said, if we ever need any vocals on anything, that you'd love to do something together. Um, and then it kind of went from there. But that's where it all started, back in Munich. Do you remember that night, Dave? I do, yeah. Do you remember that venue, Mara? Yeah, I, I mean, I remember it from the stage. It was like this like cement block kind of. It yeah, was like, it, was, it was like a cement building. Yeah. And you guys were sound checking this song with all the love in my heart, which has just the crazy ending <laughs> and the lights you, had, you yeah. had those big leds in between you and i remember walking in because the doors were all open we walked in you were sound checking that song and it was yeah it was like the second coming it was so <laughs> like who is this band this is insane so we actually came back after our show had finished and we caught maybe like three or four songs and i remember thinking firstly about jacob that i've never heard anything like the music that he makes it was just like something from another world it was crazy but i remember seeing this girl sing with him it was you (laughs) and i just thought that's possibly the best voice that i've ever heard but i i didn't think anything more than that i just kind of saw the show i was very impressed with jacob but your voice really stood out to me as just i yeah i honestly think that that's the most beautiful voice that I, I have heard and will ever hear. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I remember watching each of you guys individually for, you know, like a whole song at a time and um, seeing your performance and all the instruments you were playing, but also the moments where you weren't playing and you were just leaving space and then just singing these crazy things for just a short time and then just not doing anything for the rest of the song. You know, I was, I was really impressed by what you were doing and by what you weren't doing <laughs> at the same time, thinking, whoa, where did he find this girl? She's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that was exactly what I thought. Like, where is, where is this girl from? Like, she is incredible. <laughs> I mean, particularly like Jacob's music is just so a different level to what I would consider myself at like just I feel like if my head contained the knowledge that you guys had I'd just explode because (laughs) it's just too much for my little simple songwriting brain to take in but the musicality and, and techniques and the things that you guys were doing was was just crazy and I think you always admire the things that you uh you can't really do yourself or you don't understand necessarily and I just remember watching you guys thinking, I've, I've just never heard anything like this. It's still insane to me that you guys were playing the same day at the same venue and I've known your music and I, I love it. So it's it'd be funny if, if at the time I would have known that you guys were there. I'd, I'd, I'd be like, what the? <laughs> now it's just hilarious to me to realize that the whole situation happened that way. Yeah. But- I should also say that the, the fact that you were a fan of our our music as well was just completely blew my mind because mm. I really put you guys up on a pedestal in terms of like these guys are like the musicians of musicians. Like, they really know their stuff. And then to see that you like the paper kites, I was like, oh, what? I found that really amazing. Yeah, none of none of us went to Berkeley. No. Why does she like Amy? I just I feel like I'm just a humble songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> well that's that's also a thing is I I did go to Berkeley but I 
first of all, I didn't know I wanted to do music until I was 20, really like 19 when I applied to Berkeley and I didn't really sing in front of anybody. So I, I, I'm not really the standard like Berkeley person that grows up like dreaming about going to the school and shredding and playing hours a day. I, I really, I, I suck. I, I don't even think I ever like studied an instrument. I never really studied guitar or studied piano. It's kind of like, I don't really have that like Berkeley persona in me. Where <laughs> <laughs> even when I was there, sometimes it was just like, some things would just piss me off at the fact that if you liked Justin Bieber, it's like, what? You like Justin Bieber? It's like, well, yeah, I do. What's the problem? I, I, yes. I, I don't know. It was it was exactly what you guys are saying. Like, oh, I didn't you know this Berkeley person liked Paper Kites. Like, you could do a <laughs> song that has one note and you, you make me feel stuff and I, I'm going to love your song. You know, it, mm -hmm. it, for me, it has nothing to do. You know, and, and same for Jacob. I, I, I know that he does this crazy stuff, but I... I also know that he really loves things that are, you know, if it's musical and if it's pretty and if it's going to make it, it doesn't need to be complicated all the time, you know? Right. So, and how did you and Jacob meet? I never remember how really, I think it was this video I posted of American Boy, but I did kind of like a reharmon on piano and somehow it, it got to him. And, um, and he messaged me just saying that, you know, he loved my stuff and that asking if I was in LA because he goes there sometimes and to meet up, I'll be like, yeah, of course, obviously I, I, I knew his stuff already. And, you know, he's, he's insane. I was a big fan. I'd even seen a show of his in at Berkeley when he played <laughs> a few years before. Mm. So I answered it, yeah, of course. And then he, he actually went to LA at some point and messaged like, I'm actually going and I have this idea of a song I'd love for us to try and write something. And apparently he told me later that he was already kind of like looking for this person for his band that was missing and that he wanted this like person that could not just shred, but do like also have this more sensitive side to his band and everything. And when we met, we, you know, we super got along. We like mm. were supposed to just meet and then ended up being like an eight hour hang of talking and not really doing music. <laughs> so I think it was his like kind of deciding point of like, okay, yeah, we, we get along. And, and so a few weeks later, he just asked if I wanted to go on tour. And I mean, I think for every musician, it, it's such a cool opportunity. I mean, the whole world sees that he's just this inspiring musician and, and person. And it's so much fun also to play his music. And, and, and the show was super cool. And the whole team was full of amazing people. And it was just mm. nice in every aspect mm. of it. I was going to say, there's something about Jacob that is really refreshing as a musician to see someone who brings so much color and enthusiasm to his love for music. Yeah. Everything he does is like an expression of himself and of his love and his passion for music and sound. And I can't imagine being part of that. I'd be so stressed playing in his band like <laughs> to make a mistake or I don't know. It's just the way that the songs are structured and, and the way they move. Like I feel like you would at least have to be on the same kind of level as him musically to be able to play in his band and perform those songs. I don't know. I think because I did a lot of years in the music school also, it's like my ear was there and, and is there. Like I, luckily I, I have a good ear. And then even like in terms of coordination, I've always been obsessed when I was younger with like rhythm stuff. And mm -hmm. like, I, I, like, it's just something that I love doing. And I don't know. And I was never really like nervous in that sense because I, I told him from day one, it's like, you know, I, I can't really do what the three of you got because they all mastered their instruments mm -hmm. and I don't really like master any instrument. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll, I, you know, I say it all the time. I, I don't, I can't really like shred on piano and I can't really shred on guitar and I, but I can play what I need to play mm -hmm. and I can, you know, it can be a really ridiculously impossible part to play and I'm going to be able to play it. I just need to learn, but it, but then it's fine. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly how it went, you know, and, and the singing part, I know that he loved it, and which also made me much more confident. Because like, if if he likes what I do best, then then we're good. Yeah. You know, it was just it just made it 
super fun. It, it never made it feel stressful or like I was in some sort of like audition to be in his band. You know, it was just like, well, let's make music. Let's have fun. And, mm. and that's exactly how it went. And that's exactly why I really treasure that year of my life where there's so many amazing memories that I'm going to keep. You know, mm. it's like incredibly lucky that he just saw my Instagram and called me <laughs> because it's it's amazing that I might never get to do that again. But I did. I had this year of like that experience and Jacob was amazing because it just made it feel like we're all part of it and that we're all just making music and having fun. How did you adjust to tour life? Like you're on the bus, sleeper bus. Was it your first time on tour? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've done, I did like a little, little tours, but it was always kind of like in a car, like not really like a tour. This was the first time I felt like, damn, there's actually somebody telling me where to go and where yeah. we're playing next yeah. and what, you know, <laughs> and like we have schedules and exactly buses and flights and all these things. So it's, it was the first time like in a more serious way. Honestly, it was amazing. It was like nine guys and myself. <laughs> And it was amazing because the whole team was just made of amazing people and they're all super careful with me and like super, not mm. careful, but like super attentive, I guess. Yeah. Like, is that a word? Like, uh, yeah, they, yeah. Consider, yeah, they just never made me feel, for example, being the only girl in a, in a group of like nine guys, it, it could, in a bunch of other situations, it could have, you know, because sometimes guys don't aren't sensitive for certain things or I don't mm. know. And, and it's fine. It's fine. I mean, I, I have like tons of cousins and I'm I'm used to it, but they just never made me feel a bit like, well, be your girl. You don't understand. It was just never, there was not even, yeah. it was just always kind of like we were all one and just one like a family. family. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And exactly. I'm also like, just get along with people in general. Like it, the bus situation was super cool and the, everything <laughs> was just like fun. It was great. Yeah. Were you guys sleeping on the bus? Yeah, we did. We did. I think two full tours on a bus the europe one and the, the american one and yeah. um i came home saying like telling my mom like i need to get some sort of machine that makes my bed cradle that way because <laughs> i've never slept so well oh man what was your favorite bunk i was always on the top one so on the bus that had three i was on the third and on right. the bus that had two nice. and like when the car turns on it's like <laughs> oh man it's the best feeling oh my god with a duvet like a comforter oh and you just close yeah. your curtain <laughs> oh man I, I dream about sleeping on the bus i mean it's we've got best. like a, a really comfortable bed but the feeling of like the engine exactly i slept like a baby like every night i, I used to love going to bed it was so good yeah. exactly i actually feel even talking about it now i feel the same sense of excitement about going to bed <laughs> in a little capsule and just the engine turning on oh. at, you know like 2 a.m exactly after the show to get to the next city and as soon as that engine starts, your oh, deep sleep just begins and <laughs> you're cradled to sleep. We would we would have like, so you'd play the show, you'd come off stage and, and we'd all sit in the back of the bus, which we called the social lounge. <laughs> and, you know, everyone would like have a drink and we'd talk about the show and then it would always get into like deep life chats. You know? <laughs> we'd always be talking about something deep and then yeah, everyone would slowly just one by one go to bed and it'd be like, you know, 3 a.m. and then you just sleep until you want to wake up and then you're in a new city. Yeah, that for me, that was the coolest part is that you do a show, I don't know, in like Paris 
and then you close those curtains and the machine starts and you're like, oh, boom, and you pass out. <laughs> and then you wake up in, in Munich. Or yeah, something, you know, yeah. you wake suddenly you wake up in some other, it's like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. I always wake up super early though. So I have like 9 a.m. maximum. If we'd go to bed at like 2, 3, yeah, like 9, it's my top, top. Wow. And I would get out of the bus and be like, oh, we're in a new city. And then just grab my stuff and go and walk around until, I don't know, if we had sound check at 3 or 4 or 5. I just like try and squeeze as much city as possible in those few <laughs> hours and it's just insane that i could like wake up get out of the bus be in a city see the city do a show and then the next day do the same but the city is another city you know mm, yeah yeah i think when you get to a city for the first time it's really exciting and you want to see everything and i always thought that the more we do it i would eventually just not feel the need to explore and i just you know relax in the city but i can't help it every time we get to a new city i just I'm making lists of things to do yeah, yeah. and I just try and get it all done before soundcheck. There's never any relaxing. I think that's a personality thing. I, I, I'm like that too. I could tour for 50 years and I don't think I'm ever going to, I don't know, get to Japan and not want to go and walk around. Mm. There's always a sense of like, we don't know when we're going to get to do it again. And particularly after the last tour, uh, we had such a good time. And that was the first time we'd actually done bus touring. So we did the States and we did Europe in a bus and, um, you know, we'd always like, I mean, you're very lucky in that you got to kind of go straight onto bus touring, but we did a lot of years of like van touring, driving like, you know, through the night. And, and I mean, staying in motels and hotels is, is okay, but when you finish a show and you load out and you don't get to the hotel till, you know, maybe like 1 or 2 a.m. and then you're leaving at 6 in the morning because you have to drive all day. It's exhausting. So bus touring like changed everything for yeah. us. And it was it was really exciting. I hadn't planned on asking this, but I just was thinking because you're home now and you have traveled a lot. Do you have a significant other? Is there someone special <laughs> on the scene? Uh, no, I mean it hasn't it hasn't really been uh, like ever. <laughs> but I think exactly because in in Portugal, just never really like you know the typical story of like. The guys that I liked didn't really like me ever. It was always can't imagine. <laughs> yeah, it's always <laughs> it's always like that. So I was like, I feel like for everybody, it's like the one you like doesn't like you, and it's fine. And then I went to Boston. It was like, you know, in college, I I really tried. I was sleeping sometimes like three, four hours a night to just do all the stuff I wanted to do and rehearse and everything. And then traveling, and it, it, I feel like it's just hard to find. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not really much of a like hookup person where I just kind of I'm with somebody and then I leave I'm, I feel like if I if I'm gonna be with somebody I would I would prefer to for it to be something stable and super nice and everything and it's just I feel like I'm at this point of my life where it's I don't know I, it would have to be really like I I just found my like person mm-hmm. and and I'm gonna try and keep it at a distance yeah. and but it's but I don't really worry about it either because I feel like if I focus on what I love doing right now and I spend the next years doing that, at some point it's going to make sense with whoever I'm going to meet. Yeah, it must be crazy with all that travel. I mean, like even if you do meet someone, it's like we can hang out for, you know, like two weeks when I'm in LA and then I'm gone. Exactly. That, that's, that's why I'm interested. I, sorry if it's too much of a personal question, but it does interest no, me. No, 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 it's okay. If it was something at a distance but that I knew what I was going to be doing, I think that would also be way easier because like, okay i know i'm gonna be these two weeks in la and then i know i'm gonna be mm. but the problem is that i never know yeah. that's that's also mm. yeah that's also even harder because suddenly it's like not even talking about pandemic or anything but like before it's like okay i'm gonna be in la but then oh actually this got booked and this got booked or i have to go here actually yeah. i have this month off so i'm actually gonna spend time with my family or all these things that suddenly there's not even a 
I can't even be like, okay, well, it's fine because we know that in this amount of time we're going to be together again. It's like, nah, it yeah. just doesn't work. So, yeah. which is bad because I already kind of start canceling things anyway from the beginning. You know, kind of <laughs> like, yeah, it's just, it's just like I don't even want to get into yeah. it because it's just. We always said it's always a bad idea to date another musician because you just never see each other. And whoever, whoever you end up with is going to have to be very comfortable with you traveling a lot <laughs> yeah maybe it's gonna be somebody that travels too so that that'd yeah. be fine yeah it'll it'll make sense i i used to like feel like i had to self-sabotage my relationships to get a good song <laughs> <laughs> i would start an argument or something would come up and i'd i'd be like yes i'm really upset so i can get a good song out of it right now but <laughs> now like you know i've been married for many years now and it's very stable for the most part so i've had to learn to draw off other things to write music i can't just go and you know sabotage my marriage now every time i want to write <laughs> yeah, a song. You, can't, you can't just do that yeah <laughs> yeah now this is correct, right? Did you put out five records in 2018? Yeah, yes. That is insane. Yeah, that's. I, I feel like that's cool and at the same time a problem because I, I, I think I write way too much music in the sense of like I, nowadays the, the industry doesn't really work that way. Like people want you to really stuff with time and everything also because people don't have that attention span. People won't listen to everything. And so, you know, I'm, I'm like about to release an album, but I already have like three more on the way that i'm like oh no now i have to wait till the end of this year to listen out to like yeah. then it's it's but but 2018 specifically was more i decided to do it anyways because you know i've been working independently until now and it was just more a kind of like a stepping stone so i, I finished berkeley and then i have uh i got all the like old stuff that i've written well not all but i did like a selection and then just recorded and kind of put it all out as like a okay i've i've I decided to do music. I did three years at Berkeley. I did my degree. I just moved to LA. I like, this is it. And now, cause it was all old stuff. Cause the, the stuff I was doing when I moved to LA was, it's already different. It's, it's what's about to come out. It's like that. It's more of like, it's just different. So it was, it was, it was really more like a, like a step. Uh, even though I've, if it was just for me, I could, I would yeah. still release like, here you go, here you go, here you go. Cause I, I don't know. What, what if I, what if I die tomorrow? Yeah, that's then true. I, uh, yeah. It's just mm. going to go to trash. Like in my, my iPhone voice memos that no one's going to, you know, yeah. Like a backlog of music. But I mean, like five albums is like prolific. I mean, we put out five albums in like eight years, you know. Really? And you did five in one year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's obviously like labels as well have their own plans and, and release schedules that you have to consider. Exactly. Well, that's going to start happening to <laughs> me now. So your, I mean, your first Zumaro Volume 1, mm -hmm. which was the first album, you're singing mostly in Portuguese, yeah? Mm -hmm. And then as it, by volume three, it's mostly English. Yeah. Tell me about that transition. Uh, well, I think some of the stuff I started writing at Berkeley in like 2015, when I really, when I moved there. And when you're in another country and you start speaking another language, which for me was English, you speak English all the time and then you start dreaming in English and, and you're singing songs in English in school. And mm -hmm. there's a point where, you know, I was, I was thinking in English. So... If I think in English, suddenly when I start writing, it just comes out in English. It wasn't really because I had to write in English. It was just because I was, you know, thinking and sleeping and yeah, like yeah. sleeping as in dreaming in English. And then suddenly I would come back to Portugal again and start writing again in Portuguese more. So I really think it's where my brain is at at the moment. Yeah. So like now I was for five months in Brazil and I, I wrote, I think, 
over 60 songs that are all in Brazilian. It's not even mm, my Portuguese. Yeah, right. And they also have some sort of like Brazilian influence. And I, I think I think it's normal. It's where your mind is at the moment, where mm. at least for me, it's like it, it really, because it's such a genuine process for me. I don't really think about it. I just kind of play and just comes out. And if it doesn't come out, it's fine. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I'm going to live in Paris for a bit this year. And I'm sure some French songs are going to come out, even if it's like really poor French mm. <laughs> It's just where my mind is at at the moment that that influences what is going to come out musically. Mm. Now, how how did this connection with Quincy Jones happen? Like, when did that start? Well, beca- because of Jacob. Yeah. Because uh, Quincy Jones Productions managed Jacob. Mm-hmm. And because I started playing with Jacob, then they saw my music and wanted to work together. Yeah, and- that. yeah I saw the, all these photos. It's like, oh, there's Marrow and... Quincy Jones. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> Is he a cool guy? He's a, honestly the coolest. Yeah. For real, for real. He's like, he actually talks with you and he's just funny and I don't know I, I like that he just says everything that is on his mind and mm-hmm. and he just has this crazy cool stories like always like uh you know one of the last times I was with him he just like oh yeah when I had breakfast with Picasso and you're like what <laughs> <laughs> like how how did that happen <laughs> like all this all these stories with all these people and I mean that's also why he's such a an interesting and amazing person is because he's already this like persona and then he also got to hang with insanely talented and smart people and Mm. it's just always nice to see him and get to talk to him even if for a bit yeah yeah it's great just following on from the story of the first time that we saw you and then kind of rediscovering you after i'd heard that cover of our song that you did and it was just around the time that we were starting to think about you know doing this album of duets and i i sort of said well you know it just so happens that we've got an album coming up and we would love to do something with you so we started talking about this song and you know you agreed to do it which i was really excited about and i told the guys you know we've got marrow and so you and i were talking and I always enjoy our conversations because, you know, I don't mind texting. I'm a pretty happy texter. But you would always send me back these voice messages <laughs> instead of a text message. <laughs> yeah, that's a very Portuguese thing to do. And I always felt obliged to reply to you in, in the same way. <laughs> so, we have a lot of voice recordings back and forth. But I remember trying to find the right song for you. And I, I really love this about you. So, you were really keen to be involved. But it couldn't just be any song. And I, I think I sent you... The first song I sent you was an old one that we'd written that I thought you'd be really nice on. And I sent it to you thinking, yes, this is the song. And I think you said, yeah, it's nice. But, you know, have you got anything else? <laughs> yeah. I thought, okay, all right. Uh, maybe that's not the right song for her. I mean, I, to clarify, I loved the other one. It was more like, but because you were kind of just sending like, you know, I have this, but it's just an idea and I could send some other stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm always curious to hear what's the other stuff because who knows if I'm going to connect like way more with some other song or 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 maybe no, maybe maybe like the first one, you know, it, it's just always cool to when people say that they they're also not sure that's funny yeah i i didn't know that that was your thought process all all i kind of thought was she doesn't like it i need to do better <laughs> so oh no i kind of w- sat down and i wrote walk above the city with you in mind i was like this has to be a song that mara can sing what is a good song for her <laughs> and i wrote that song and thought i think that she'll like this so i think it was because of me thinking that 
the first song wasn't good enough that I had to try and do better. Oh, no. And I wrote it and, and it worked out really well and you liked it. So we did it. And, um, That's great. Good job. And, and I'll also say that the original idea for this song was meant to be possibly a bit more back and forth. Like I think I thought maybe I would sing a verse and you would sing a verse. But when you sung this song... I was just like, you can just, she needs to sing the whole thing. I'm just going to go right in the background <laughs> because it sounds so good. And I didn't want to touch it. And uh, honestly, thank you so much for singing on that song because it sounds amazing. I'm really, really stoked with how it turned out. Thank yeah. you. No, it's my, I really, it's an honor. But the funniest part about recording this song that I had to talk about, people that don't know about Mara's vocal skills, you need to go and listen to her music. But I don't know if you yourself would say that you have perfect pitch, but you do. And I have never worked with anyone that was so spot on with her vocals. And (laughs) I sent you what I thought was the finished song with my vocals for you to record yours over the top. And you sent them back to me and you said like, I'm having trouble matching my voice to yours. Like the intonation isn't quite correct. And I was like, what are you talking about? And you sent it back and your vocals were perfect. And all of a sudden mine were quite flat. (laughs) (laughs) And I've never had that happen before. And I had to re-record my vocals because you were so perfect. Sorry. I honestly, I I recorded matching yours, (laughs) but then because there were two vocals that were just a bit under and i mean exactly when it's when it was just your voice it sound it works it sounds good and then suddenly when i matched it because it was like 12 cents under it, it's just immediately like making it sound in general not sound as good like, oh okay i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna do it like on the dot and then see if it can match or so but i swear to god it's like even even for my own stuff like i i, I don't even sing spot on the whole time because like even feel wise i don't think you need to be zero cents on zero cents <laughs> the whole song you know it's i it's We're talking more- about like micron notes here. This exactly. Is, I couldn't believe when I when I heard the difference. <laughs> when I heard the difference, I thought, man, how did you bring that up? <laughs> I loved hearing the two different versions where you matched his like, you know, micro flat version. Yeah, you even did me the courtesy of sending me a version that was, you know, matched to my flat version <laughs> and then the perfect one to show me how it should be done. I loved it. And so Sam, in the end you matched the zero sense. You you matched the perfect notes, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I redid my vocals because I was shamed. <laughs> and so that to you the listener, thank you tomorrow. That is what you'll hear. The final product is is perfect. Yeah. You will not hear a wrong note. I redid them and I turned them down so you could just hear Mara's perfect vocals and, and I'm just in the background. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm a backing singer. <laughs> I feel so bad we'll now. include the shame cut in like a, an extended best of. Bonus track. <laughs> no, but it's so bad. I feel people do read things differently when they don't know me because I'm super perfectionist and, and suddenly I'm like, oh no, it came out that way. I really didn't want it to come no, out. No, like no, I, I don't really think that. I actually really love that you're like that. And and to me, it just says that you know what you want. And and I really respect that. And I think it's, you know, the reason that you've, you've been as successful as you have been is because you hold yourself to that standard. It's it's really credit to you. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and sorry again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now I just want to move on. Uh, I want to talk about Berkeley and how that happened because, you know, you were obviously in Lisbon at the time. I mean, that would have been a huge change for you going from Portugal to Boston 
and and uprooting your life and moving there i mean cultural shock also because it's just you know the food and i gained 32 pounds and, <laughs> uh so that that was that was definitely a something shock yeah, yeah. a body shock <laughs> i think in a way it was it was amazing because i didn't really sing in front of people i was super shy really really like i mean i started writing songs when i was 11 and i didn't really like show them to anybody until i, I was like 19 or something, mm. 18 and i wanted to be a like biologist like i uh, i wanted to go and study animals and be an expert in like felines and all this <laughs> like i it was just i was just far out of my imagination that i was gonna do music and i think it was great in that way because suddenly i actually decided to audition then audition and got in and and when i went it was a shock in that way. It was like, suddenly it's like, I'm here. I need to sing in for people and I need to perform and I need to, and I started yeah. doing all these things that made me like, first of all, realize that that's really what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. which was amazing. And then more than that, exactly. to, to be comfortable about it. Just not be as shy about it. I'm still shy. Like if I'm, you know, even if I go in a little hang at someone's house and they're like, Oh, can you play a song? I'm like, please, please, please. No, no, yeah, no. <laughs> that's more terrifying than playing a concert. That's so scary. Cause luckily I've never been insecure about it. I was just shy. It's different. Like mm. I'm not, I'm not, insecure about like if i if i do it and if i if it makes me feel something when i play something then i'm i'm fine if everyone else says like well it was shit i'm like well i didn't think it was shit so Mm. it's fine in that regard it's great but it was more about like not being shy about it to be able to be like okay well i'm i'm secure of it and i could share it with you because usually it was just like well i'm secure of it but it's just for myself yeah it's like my little secret world and then Berkeley was good because suddenly I was like, I actually had a shot of like sharing it. Mm. Yeah. And you were in Boston for three years, yeah? Three years, yeah. 2015 to 17. Yeah. Okay. Do you feel like you kind of changed much? Because you said you, you kind of started out being very shy about your songwriting and then obviously moved to LA at the end of that, which, you know, is, is furthering, I guess, your decision to do music because you could have just gone back home, but you chose to stay. Yeah. Not only stay, but, you know, move to LA where you know, everyone's kind of trying to make it at something. So obviously Berkeley maybe isn't necessarily responsible for giving you that drive, but you obviously would have changed a bit over those three years in terms of like really deciding that that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. Oh, well, I think, I think that was actually the main thing is that until I was 20, I really wanted to do biology. Or mm. I always say veterinary, but it, it, it wasn't actually that because I didn't want to like do surgery or anything. I wanted to study animal. It's like my brother is doing that right now. Uh. And it's like, I look at him and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what I would have done, which is, which is cool to see. But my whole life, that's what I wanted to do and be in some way like linked to animals and work with animals. Mm. That, that That's why I think I was shy about music because there was a, this other part that I just kept for myself. But then the second I actually went somewhere to do music, I think that's what changed more than anything else. It was like, yeah. it wasn't that with time I, I stopped being shy about it. It was more like discovering that, wait, I actually really wanted to do music. And immediately, like the fact that I discovered what I want to do, like, because I have a, such a big passion for it, then it it made the shyness go away, really. How, how do you want to do something so much and you're shy about it? That It ma- doesn't make sense to me. So I, I think I was shy about it because it was the secret part of my world. Mm. But then when I realized that that's actually the part of my world, it's yeah. not the secret one. It's like the main, but it's like, I, I do not function without you thinking about it. Like without, you know, everything to me is music. It's yeah. funny. Like I, I brush my teeth and I hear the note that, you know, like stuff that we, we all do. It's not just like in a nerdy way, not, not like, oh, this is a B flat. No, but more like a, you know, you hear sounds everywhere. You hear yeah. rhythm everywhere. And, and I didn't, I never really like, paid attention to it but i was just like you know my my brother and sister are the same and i just 
just part of us. And obviously, mm. I think because we grew up in a musical household, but I think what changed was really just being like, wait, I actually want to do this for a living. Like I could actually do this like 24 seven and not, mm. and not worry about a job that I don't want to have, you know? So yeah. I think that's what took out the whole cover. Like I was like, well, then I'm not shy about it. Cause that's, this is actually what I want to do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying about how, you know, music is just, it's in you, you know, you can't, yeah. before it's a profession, it, it's something that's just in you and you can't really change that part of your identity. But I mean, I had the same experience in growing up and meeting other musicians and people who had the same passion and the same identity in searching for, for music and searching for more of their character and, um, like reflected in music that they hear. Yeah. That's when I realized, whoa, there's other people like mm. me that, you know, are, are crazy about music in the same way that I am. <sighs> when you met other people at Berkeley, was that like seeing other people who were as passionate as you, was it was that a big part of it as well? You yes. Know, the shades being being lifted on that part of your character. Yeah, because in, in Portugal is like I, I've always felt and this is gonna sound so sad, but it it I've always felt that no one really would get me like no one really understood me and 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 how I worked and I mean not even myself really because I'm so hyperactive and then I have I'm like so obsessive and, and like my focus spam gets really like narrow and really deep and you know I could not eat for 24 hours if I'm doing something that I'm in and, and I was like I've, I've always been like that and and then at the same time, I could be completely out. I like sometimes couldn't follow a conversation. Not sometimes, all the time. When I was younger, it's like people would call me, like sometimes scream. My like my brother would wake me up on, with a punch because I'd <laughs> be in just so much in my world that he would scream my name on my ear, and I I wouldn't listen. You know, so it's you know there's just this like things work always kind of hard in a social level like really like uh, yeah and i never really understood that had anything to do with music too i was just i was just like kind of like my my autistic bubble that were you know that people didn't really get and then just seeing people that were like burning passion for music mm. and for for what they do really is just so insane to see because suddenly it was a way to link it was like well i'm i cannot sleep because of music and suddenly i meet people that I cannot sleep because of you know mm. or that sound completely like euphoric when they talk about what they like and yeah. i also got my set of like best friends mm. that i'm sure they're going to be my friends in 50 years if i'm still alive <laughs> it, it was always good to just have people i cared for that also had this like love in common for music so mm. yeah it, it definitely it definitely helped Mara, thank you so much for talking with us today it's thank been you. so lovely to get to hear a little bit more about your life but even more so to have you on that song. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me, really. You're welcome. It was it was a real pleasure. And um, I guess we'll see you when we see you. Bye, guys. Adios. Ciao.